our next lesson from the Revelation to John, the seventh chapter. Hear the word of God. And John said, after this, I looked and there was a great multitude and no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out loud in a voice and said, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God singing, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might to be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, said John, saying, Who are these robed in white and where have they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. And he said to me, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And for this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship God day and night within God's temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them and they will hunger no more and they will thirst no more and the sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat, for the lamb is at the center of the throne, will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to the springs and the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's start at the beginning. The entire Bible is a library, and it's different types of literature call to different parts of our humanity. You know, when you're in need of something, you may open the Bible to a particular book, a particular letter, a particular psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless God's holy name. That might be something we search for with deep feeling. Thou shalt not, thou shall. Thou shalt not. That may speak to our will, to our call of distress, and even to our sense of peace. And then there's Paul's letters that send us right to our mind, our brain power, and they may call to both our heart and our intellect and reasoning. Therefore, Paul says, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and by which we boast in our hope for the sharing of the glory of God. And then the book of Revelation or correctly, it should be titled, The Revelation of Jesus Christ to John the Theologian Imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos off the coast of Turkey. 
And the scripture that has read, was read for us today, that scripture takes us maybe to feelings and maybe to intellect, but really it takes us straight to our imaginations. The revelation to John is one colossal extravaganza of dreams and creatures and colors and angels. It's an enormous and spectacular poem full of shocking visions and beasts and ruinous verdicts. And it's a book that not many of us turn to. It's a book that innumerable, innumerable people have tried to decode. So let's pause and open the book of Revelation to John and really take a dive. It's where we should start though, not with the dive, but with a corrective. Let's start with a corrective. We need to forget about trying to decode revelation. It can't be done. Trying to translate this particular image here and there in the book equals calamity. A seal that somehow signifies doom of a particular part of the world. A prophecy that indicates a catastrophe in the year so, so, and so, and so. All of this decoding of beasts and disasters and the seven seals is swirling around our heads, not because of translation with integrity, but because we have been sucked into the doomsday industry. Doomsday gaming. Armageddon publishers. Judgment Day apps big screen, end of the world Hollywood productions that all think they know what's going on with the book of Revelations. It's all marketing, playing on our fears and anxieties and panic and using the Revelation to John as a timetable for the rapture, the very end of the world. Well, the word rapture never appears in the New Testament. It never appears in the Bible at all. All of the drama that ensues in those that try to decode and make films and all sorts of things, all the drama is to make a buck on the back of our panic, of people's distress. The doomsday industry, it's a real thing. And although they've made millions and billions, I'm here to tell you that it's nonsense. All of it, every bit of it can be left behind, wiped away, bye-bye. <laughs> and why should it be left behind? Because Revelation, first and foremost, is a book of comfort and care. It's a book of hope, not desolation and despair. Revelation is a letter written to seven churches experiencing unimaginable violence, 
and persecution, unimaginable abuse, and John writes this letter to these seven churches, and it actually depicts, it is the culmination toward which the whole biblical message of redemption is focused. The letter, the book, the pages are of compassion and empathy for those who have suffered so terribly. And rather than catastrophe, it encompasses what it is to be an Easter people serving an Easter Lord. It is written by a fellow Christian, John, in the years after Christ's death, when the Roman Empire is trying to tuck every believer into the fire. John is offering us this, pastoral encouragement when Christians are confronted with tyranny. It's a soulful guide in times of fear. It's a daily devotional for the renewal of our hearts. It's an inspiration for discipleship. And it's sustenance for the work of the Spirit. Now, I'm not telling you that you can go to this last book of the Bible and open it and not see weirdness. It's imaginatively weird and wonderful and sometimes scary. But we don't know the codes. John knew the codes and was writing to a particular people at a particular time. Is it strange? Yes. Is it full of hope? Yes. Here's what he says. There are ones who have come out of this great ordeal, and the ones seated at the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor the scorching heat, for the lamb is at the center of the throne, and the lamb is their shepherd. The lamb is our shepherd. The lamb will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and my favorite part, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Such a realistic experience of humanity, our tears. Some of us cry every day because we have so much to cry about. And some, some of us don't allow ourselves to cry very often. Either it's not there, it's okay, or we fear once we start, we'll never stop. Some of us can cry at the drop of a hat. And some of us have had so much trouble in this life that we need the word of hope that our God, our God will wipe away every single tear. I think we should rename this book. I think this book should be called The Amazing Revelation of Jesus Christ. To John, 
who is a theologian, imprisoned on the Isle of Potmos off the coast of Turkey. The amazing revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a letter of amazement. And at its core, John tells us that we're going to be very surprised about our futures. Good news when sometimes our futures, or we know of the world, the, the daily life of the world is being shredded. John tells us at the core that we're going to be very surprised about our future. We're going to be very surprised about the people of God, that the people that God considers to be under her wing is a wide swath of people. In John's words today, we get a God's eye view of the breadth of God's love. And that breadth and its inclusive grace we can hardly imagine. God loves us all. All genders, all colors, all nations, all abilities, all liabilities. And no matter how much we imagine God cares for us, according to John's vision, it will be infinity times more. There's so much more. We're also going to be surprised by the scope of God's healing. I think there's only so much we understand about healing in this lifetime. And when we come together after a loved one, a friend has died, we say those words. This person is in heaven, they are with their Lord, and their Lord has healed them. Surely, the healing of our bodies and minds and spirits will happen, but also the healing of the earth itself, the nations, and the homelands, and the nation states. And just when we need a word of promise, John scoops us up into this vision for restoration of humanity, scarred by warfare and missiles and starvation and disease. And he gives us a witness to the healing dreams deferred and childhoods postponed. Neither Jew nor Greek Male nor female, slave or free will be held hostage. Neither rich nor poor, nor employed nor unemployed, nor citizen nor immigrant, nor refugee, nor the incarcerated will be held captive. There is a new homeland for the vulnerable, the meek, the righteous, the merciful, the peacemakers. All are embraced, all are welcomed, all are healed all find home. And so this day, my friends, as the rain is coming down upon us and upon our roof, hear the good news that through our Lord Jesus Christ, they will hunger no more and thirst no more, and the sun will not strike them by day, nor the scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne is our shepherd. 
and he is guiding us to the water of life. And God, well, God is wiping away every tear, every sob, and every wail. Let us pray. Lord God, you have given us a glimpse into the heart of love. We praise you. Your promise is full of healing and hope. We love you. Show us how to participate in this mercy, in this transformation, in this mystery, so that we might be your faithful people. We thank you for a life in the spirit and that because we have one another, we never need to do this alone. We thank you for this vision and for your infinite peace. Amen.